0: Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church. One church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. You know, sometimes it's the simple things that communicate massive truth for our hearts. Our God Eastwood Baptist Church is a very creative artist. Amen? Amen. And our skin is simply the canvas on which he is so marvelously painted. But you know, for many years, those Americans of African lineage were called colored people. I ask you this morning, aren't we all colored people Indeed, we are, guys. Every one of us, we are all colored people by God's design. Human beings come in different shades, different hues, different colors. And it's beautiful. right? It is God's glory. But sadly, the color of people's skin has been one of the greatest dividing lines in our history, even in our present, even up to 2018. In fact, it could be one of the biggest dividing lines in America in 2018, still to this day. Instead of celebrating the diversity that God has given us as humanity, as a gift, people have equated different colors of people with different races of people and cursed those who are different from them. So much hurt, so much wickedness has been done in the name of race. You know, just truth be told, we are a racialized Society, We are so aware of race. Everything is seen through this racial lens. It's black this and white that. It's Latino this and Asian that. And it takes very little, it's 2018, for you to be called a racist. In fact, someone may call me a racist before the day is over. Parents can't even take their little girls out trick-or-treating and let them wear their favorite Halloween costumes of their favorite Disney princesses without fearing being called racially insensitive for cultural appropriation. All this bad history, all this recent tension, makes race one of the biggest elephants in the room. People, for the most part, are afraid to talk about it. It's so politicized. People are scared to death because it's such a powder keg, just waiting for somebody to light the fuse, whether they mean to or not. And with this constant barrage of racialized thinking, it's very easy for us to simply take on the world's way of thinking about race and never even question if the Bible gives us a different way. Does it? Does God communicate through the Bible to us a different way? I'm convinced that he does. As I look at the Word of God, I am convinced that He does. And as we come to our final message in this The Elephant in the Room series, today the elephant of race will not be ignored. So here's today's task. Today's task is to answer this question. How do I live out a biblical worldview on race? Again, we're questioning, does the world have it right And does God's Word say anything differently? And so I'm going to tell you today as the best as I can what God's Word says. And then you decide, is what we do and how we think, are we thinking like the world or are we thinking like God? And I pray today that you would see that there is a big difference. Please stand this morning to honor the reading of the Word of God Today, our foundational text is Acts 17, 24 through 30, uh, 24 through 26. And as you stand, I, w- I want you to understand that the Word of God this morning is the ultimate source of truth. Amen? Not sociology, not philosophy, not human reason, not human tradition. It stands above every ideology and is the standard by which every ideology is measured. So let's look at God's word here. Our foundational text for today. Acts 17 verse 24 through 26 says this. This is Paul actually preaching to the people at the Areopagus in Athens. It says in verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself... Gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Let's pray to God. God, we ask that you would help us this morning. And I, I, Father, if, if, if someone is already feeling tense, God, I pray that you would help us, that you would give us the, the peace, the Holy Spirit. That we can talk about these things. We can seek your face on these things. And so God help us today. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice who is yet to repent and believe in Jesus. We pray that today would be the day they would see their need. That they would run to Christ and and today they would be saved. God just do something amazing in our midst today we pray. In Jesus name all God's people said Amen. 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 Grab your seat. So how do I live out a biblical worldview on race? First, if we're going to do this, then you and I have to reject the lie of different human races. It is so ingrained in our thinking, but it's a lie. If I were to ask you today how many different races of people there are, how many would you say? The U.S. Census Bureau, for instance, recognizes five human races. All right. On the census, if your ancestors are from Europe, the Middle East, or North or North Africa, you are supposed to mark the race, your race as white. If your ancestors are from Africa, you are supposed to mark your race as black or African American, whichever term you, you prefer there. If your ancestors were native North Americans or native South Americans or native Central Americans, you're supposed to mark your race as American Indian. If your ancestors are from the Far East, South Asia, or India, you're supposed to mark your race as Asian. And finally, if your ancestors were native to a Pacific island, including Hawaii, of course, you are supposed to mark your race as native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander. So many of us have organized our lives and our thinking around these racial categories and have taken them on even as our identity. But what if I told you this morning that these supposed racial realities that you have so shaped our thinking and our culture, what if I told you that they actually don't exist? In 2018, at the Together for the Gospel Conference in Louisville, Kentucky, Pastor uh, Anya Anyabuile gave a talk on race that completely changed my life. I mean, no joke, completely changed my life. In that talk, here's what he said. This was sort of like the thesis or or, or the hook, so to speak, to getting into the message. He said this. He said, believing in race is a little bit like believing in unicorns. Because race, like unicorns, doesn't really exist. You see, this idea of race throughout the centuries, it's been based on the outward biological differences between human beings, like skin color, uh, cranium shape, facial features, hair texture. And it was believed that since these outward differences are there, then there must be, they thought, inward differences, even ontological differences. But like Mandeza, right? That, that great theologian, Mandisa, singing on Christian Family Radio all the time, says this, we all do what? Bleed the same. We all bleed the same. Yeah, there are greater and lesser differences between us when we stand side by side with other people. But those differences, beloved, pale in comparison to our similarities. We are, every one of us, human beings. If we were to ask God, God, how many races of human beings are there? God would not say five. Like the U.S. census, God would say one. You see, there is only one human race. Look at verse 26 here in our text, Acts 17, 26. And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. You see, here in Scripture, guys, we have one common ancestor. That man's name is Adam. And in Adam, we're all unified. If we trace our family tree back far enough, we all end up at Adam. Adam, who was formed from the dust of the ground by God and had life breathed into him by God, according to Genesis 2. Adam, who was made in the image of God, according to Genesis 1. That's our common earthly father. It does not matter the color of your skin or the texture of your hair or the shape of your nose. Or how high you can jump. (laughs) Amen. We all have the same father. And not only will we find the same father when we trace back our lineage. We also find the same mother. We read in Genesis 2, 21 and 22 says this. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man Adam. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up in its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Do you see what's happening here? God personally formed Eve, uh, Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed life into him. That's not how he made Eve. He made Eve out of Adam. So even Eve here finds her lineage connected to Adam. And then we read this, Genesis 3. Verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. One daddy, one mama. In Eve, we're not even half brothers and sisters with one another. But, well, like, like, you know, with with one daddy, but different mamas. No, no, no. In Eve, we're all full brothers and full sisters. Sisters, I stand here today not representing the color of my skin, but representing the Word of God. And based upon the Word of God, there is only one human race. I say to you guys this morning, guys, it is time for you and for me to reject the old, tired, blood-stained ideology that says there are different human races. Aren't you tired of thinking about how we're different? These differences, which in the grand scheme of things are minuscule when compared to our commonalities, aren't you sick of it? Man, yes, there are different ethnicities of people, Right, Groups of people tend to have distinct languages and cultural norms and cultural tastes and even common external physical features such as skin color. But regardless of a person's ethnicity, there is no essential difference between people groups. There is only one race. So to live out a biblical worldview on race, we need to reject the lie of different human races. Secondly, you and I have to do this. We have to understand where racism comes from. While the concept of different races doesn't actually exist, racism certainly does. Amen? Amen, it does. It is there, right? Either you've personally experienced it, or you've watched it happen. Or if we're going to be honest here, completely honest, we have all, in some form or fashion, perpetuated it. Here's how I would define racism. Racism is judging individuals as inferior or superior based upon their superficial, external, physical features that they share with a group. Let me say that again. Judging individuals as inferior or superior based upon their superficial, external, physical features that they share with a group. Oftentimes, we, we, we trade the word racism with prejudiced. You even hear in the word prejudiced, prejudged, right? Before you ever know the person because of what you can see about them, you make a snap judgment and you put them in with a group. Here in America that has manifested itself primarily as judging people based upon the color of their skin. But racism is not just an American problem. It's a world problem. In other places, it may not be the color of your skin. It may be the color of your hair. For instance, in in Sweden at some point, there was a great racial tension toward those with dark hair. You see, they had the same color skin. But they didn't have the lighter colored hair like most of the Swedes have. And so people would call them, see if I can get this correct, Svartskalje, which literally means black head. Not black face. Their skin wasn't black. Their hair was black. And they divided because of that. In other places, it may be your eye color or your eye shape. Suffice it to say that human beings, fallen human beings are masters at finding something to be racist about. That's absolutely true. Walk into any locality in the world and you're likely to encounter racism. And it can be absolutely deadly. Our nation bears those scars. And the world bears those scars. The 20th century alone, just last century, saw millions and millions of people put to death because of their ethnicity, because of what the world calls their race. And it wasn't just by one people in one place. Right? When we think of the 20th century and we think of genocide, killing people and a whole ethnicity of people, We think of the six million Jews that died under the Nazi regime, the German Holocaust. But there's also the Armenian genocide which saw the Ottoman Empire kill approximately a million Armenians. There was the genocide in Cambodia which saw again approximately two million killed. Some could say even three million with that one. There's The Rwandan genocide that saw nearly another million murdered. All killed because they didn't fit the racial profile of those in power. It was dark and it was a bloody century. You see, racism is not just an American problem. It is a fallen human being problem. And you and I need to understand where it comes from, right? If we're going to fix it, We have to understand where it comes from. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, tell us where it comes from. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. And notice, particularly here, this this next whole string of things here. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. He continues on drunkenness, orgies, things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now you say, Ben, I didn't see the word racism in that list. And I would say to you, it's not there. But racism is there when you read the words enmity and strife. Racism is there when you read about jealousy and fits of anger. Racism is there when you read about rivalries and dissensions and divisions. You see, racism comes from the sinful human heart, informing the sinful flesh what to do. It is working out, um, it, 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 it has the outworking of, of a man that says, I hate people with that skin color. It's sin working out in that woman that says, I don't want to associate with people with that color hair. It is sin working out in the man that says, I'm going to hire this person over that person just because of the shape of their eyes. It's racism working out. It is sin working out in a woman who says, I'm going to vote for this person over that person because of the color of their skin. I don't care what the cultural elites of America currently say. Everybody can be racist. Everybody can. It's absolutely stunning to me to hear people actually argue that only white people in America can be racist. Beloved, I don't care what color of skin you have. We all have the same fallen hearts. And we can all judge individuals as inferior or superior based upon their superficial, external, physical features that they share with a group. I have heard people of every skin color say the most sinfully racist things in the world. So I'll say to you this morning, the Bible will not give a pass to any man, any woman, any boy or any girl to sin based upon their skin color you don't get a pass just like we all bleed the same we all sin the same we need to understand where racism comes from which is from the fallen human heart and that means the solution to racism is indeed the gospel of jesus christ amen that's the that's the cure that's the answer right it's not enough just to believe in jesus There have been people all throughout history who believed in Jesus but were still racist, right? There were men and women who professed to know Christ yet owned slaves. So it's not enough to simply say, I believe in Jesus. We've got to get Jesus into every aspect of our being and to be Lord over every aspect of our thinking and our living. One has to become like Jesus in every facet of their life. And once we come to Jesus for salvation, then we grow to become more like Jesus. And if we want to see racism erased from this planet, we must lead people to Jesus and then rightly lead them to become like Jesus. Listen, if you're here this morning and there is any racism in your heart, If there's ever in you the desire to judge individuals as inferior or superior based upon their superficial, external, physical features that they share with a group, I say to you this morning, God desires to radically amputate that from your life. I say to you this morning, if that's you, and... And I'm not calling anybody out here, but I'm just calling you, as God would call you, throw that junk out. Amen? It's evil. It's evil. And, and should have nothing to do with the follower of Jesus Christ. Third, to live out a biblical worldview on race. Third, we need to identify ourselves, identify yourself foremost with Christ. This is really important, y'all. This this is really, really, really important. Oh, my goodness. Let me say this again. This is really important. If, If the answer to racism is Jesus Christ, then the one place that racism should not exist would be in the life and the fellowship of believers. But the world wants to constantly divide us up based on these false notions of race, right? The identity politics of today constantly pit one group against another. And that's why I believe our nation is so divided today. I believe we have to admit we have come a long way as a nation since the days of slavery and Jim Crow. But it seems in the last few years that we've taken a step back. We keep getting dragged into these divisions based upon skin color. You see, feminism wants to make it all about our sex. The most important part of your life is your identity, male or female. Sexual revolutionaries want us to make our sexual desires the most important part of our identity. But racialists, in the same way, want to make our skin color the most important part of our identity. But do you know what God says? Here's what God says. Galatians chapter 3, 25 through 28, says this. says, but now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. But as many of you as were baptized into Christ, look at this, y'all. Look at this. Have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. The world wants to tear us apart. The world wants you and me to take on all these divisional identities that the world can pit back and forth with one another to gain power and prestige and all the other things they want to do there. But in Christ, we are all brought together. Amen? That's the vision that God has for him. We who are in Christ have unity in Christ. Jesus' blood is thicker than human blood. Just regular human blood. We often hear, right? Blood is thicker than water. Well, Jesus is thicker than blood. You know what I'm saying? That's what leads to this beautiful passage of Scripture In Ephesians chapter 2, where this reality of this unity in Jesus is pictured, it's called into being here. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22 says this, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember. That you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant promise, having no hope without God in the world. That's the past. You ready for the future? one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then we're no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together in to a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Eastwood, isn't that beautiful? One household. One dwelling place of God. Being built by God in Jesus Christ. That means that in Jesus all the dividing walls are torn down. People with lighter skin are brought from far off. And people with darker skin are brought from far off. And they're made one in Jesus. People with straight hair are brought from far off. As so are people with curly hair. And they are made one in Jesus People who speak this language and have these cultural proclivities are brought from far off to God. At the same time, people with this other language and these other cultural proclivities are brought from far off as well, and they're made one in Jesus Christ. This is God's desire for this church. We who are different are made one. In Jesus Christ. And here's the key. Here's the key y'all. Whatever your identity was and before Jesus. That is now replaced. With your new identity in Jesus. That's the group. That God calls us now to most identify with. So here's what that means. That means that you Christians. Who consider yourselves white. White. You have much more eternally in common with your Christian brothers and sisters who consider themselves black than you do with some white family member or neighbor who does not know Jesus. But the opposite is true as well. You Christians who consider yourselves black have way more eternally in common with your Christian brothers and sisters who consider themselves white than you do with those black family members or neighbors who don't No, Jesus. You see, in Christ, when we are brought in to the Christian household, our foremost identity becomes Jesus. Fourth, to live out a biblical worldview on race, we need to work for biblical ethnic reconciliation. Work for biblical ethnic reconciliation. Man, Let's just be honest. It takes work. Amen? It takes work. Right? The natural man wants to divide. The natural man wants to to, um, pit one against another. And I just want to say to you this morning, I want to call you to just think on this and chew on this. I'm not coming as the authority in this regard, but just, just take this and chew on this. I want to call you this morning to be wary of the world's prescription on how to bring about reconciliation. You see, one of the world's favorite terms today is what we would call, or what the world calls, social justice. And it's being taken up by the church as well. Now, I say to you today, you should be concerned for social justice but so much of what the world wants to do in the name of social justice is is based on the godless theories of Karl Marx's conflict theory and its cousin critical theory look those up study those if you want to but many times social justice is actually injustice masquerading as justice Let me say that again. Many times, social justice is actually injustice masquerading as justice. More than social justice, you and I as Christians should stand up for biblical justice. God is very concerned about justice. In fact, in Amos 5, 24, we get this prophetic vision from the prophet Amos. God says this, just just picture the prophetic vision of this but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Do you see the eschatological reality that he's talking about here? He's saying that he wants to see justice flood this place. So God is very concerned about justice. But I want you to understand this this morning. The same God who said in Leviticus 19.13, Leviticus 19.13 who said, You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning is the same God who said just two verses later in in Leviticus 19.15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be impartial or you shall not be Partial to the poor and defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You know what that's saying there? It's very easy for us in today's society to show partiality to the poor or, or, or a minority group or, or whatever you want to say. But God says, You shall not be partial to anybody is what he's saying here. Justice stands above all of these social divisions. So often social justice seeks the sin of partiality. Preferring one group over another in the aim of erasing some perceived inequality. Guys, that is not justice. Partiality is injustice. But let me say this, everywhere that injustice is, we need to stand up, right? We as individuals, we as Christians, we need to work for biblical ethnic reconciliation. That's why here at Eastwood, our mission is what? What is our mission at Eastwood? To do what? To develop relationships, to impact people with biblical answers to life's challenges. Guys, one of the best ways... To work for biblical ethnic reconciliation is to develop relationships with those who don't identify with the same group as you. Who look different than you, right? They should be in your home at supper. Uh, they should be in your, uh, you know, you should, you should uh, go and do things together. I mean, again, just working to build that relationship, listening and talking and all the things there. It simply begins by treating others how you want to be treated. And judged how you would want to be judged. We need to work. We need to work for biblical ethnic reconciliation. Finally today. To live out a biblical worldview on race. We need to rejoice in ethnic diversity. We need to rejoice in ethnic diversity. We are not aiming here at Eastwood, or no Christian should aim for what oftentimes people call colorblindness. Colorblindness, that's not what God would have to see, right? And now people try to people try to say that because they wanna they wanna try to communicate that they're not racist, right? I don't see color. I don't see color. Yeah, you do. You do. And you know what you should do when you see color? You should rejoice in it. You should rejoice in it, right? We're not aiming for color blindness. We are aiming for color celebration. I am so thankful that God has sent diversity here to Eastwood Baptist Church. I am thankful for that. So thankful. Those who on the census would, would, would mark something different. I'm glad that there are folks that do that. I'm glad that there are folks here who speak different languages and have different ethnicities and, and, and different then um, uh, even, even come from different nations. We praise God for that and we rejoice in that. I call you this morning to rejoice in ethnic diversity because here's what's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Revelation 5. I want to close with this today. And I want you to see what's coming. Revelation 5 verses 1 through 10 says, Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written with, in and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, you you see this building to this climax, can't you? And when he had taken the scroll, The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Heaven is about to rejoice in something. And I want you to see what they're rejoicing in. It says this. It says, Worthy are you. To take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth forever. Heaven is rejoicing, guys. Because there are men and women who look different. Who are from different places. Different cultural trappings and all of that. Heaven is rejoicing. Together they are rejoicing that God. Takes all these things that are different. And doesn't say. I don't see color. And says. I celebrate. The creativity. And the artistry. Of our God. And that's what you and I are Supposed to do. One day, guys, this will be our reality. This junk that you see on Fox and CNN and MSNBC and that you read in the daily news, all of this racial strife. Oh, I'm so burdened by it. I'm so sick of it. One day, that will be gone. And we'll give forth, we'll break forth into Revelation 5. But let me ask you this. Do we have to wait until heaven? No way. Here's my final prayer. May God grace us with a taste of heaven here on earth. As red and yellow, black and white, gather as one in his sight. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done The straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live. And he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what He has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.